All right, everybody, welcome to Talking Taker. What do we call it? Is this going to be episode 33? 33. 33, <laughs> yep. let's call it that. Uh, a little bit different one, but uh, this is still our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. We appreciate you joining us for another round of Dead Man Talking. I am, as always, Alex Dorio, one half of the Creatures of the Night and your co-host here. For this journey, a little bit off the track of our format of exploring every single Undertaker pay-per-view match and looking at his career in that fashion, but doing something a little bit different here, we're going to explain it. Uh, but before that, I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, Travis White. Travis, my man, are you ready to go back into the world of WWF home video? I am, man. I got my flux capacitor ready to go. I'm going back. Uh, let's see. We're in 1997 on the podcast. We're going to go back about three years to the end of 94, which is where this uh, VHS uh, takes place. Uh, I think it came out in 95, but yeah, all the matches we're going to review come from the, I guess, uh, last quarter of uh, 1994. So yeah, man. Do you have your uh, Blockbuster card out? <laughs> I do not. I uh, wish I did. I used to have my video to go card. Man, that was so much better than Blockbuster. Oh, absolutely. The local video store is always for, better. Yeah. yeah. Blockbuster died for a reason. They got too greedy. So, um, but, uh, yeah, man. I, local I, video store is where it's at. How I many got, times did you rent this video? Uh, not very Ever? many on this one. I, I probably rented it once, but uh, it's not much here. But, um, yeah. It, 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 we are covering. Uh, something kind of fun here, a little diversion on our road to WrestleMania. As WrestleMania 34 is coming up in a couple weeks, uh, we wanted to cover uh, WrestleMania 13 on the week of WrestleMania 34. Thought that'd be fitting. So, uh, just looking at our timeline, we decided to throw in a little bonus episode, if you will, uh, something a little fun. And uh, I'm sure Undertaker is is very much a big important topic of discussion right now, anyway. So. We're going to go back into one of The Undertaker's exclusive WWF. Uh, I don't know if this is a Coliseum Home Video exclusive. It is. It is officially a Coliseum yeah. Home Video. Okay. Uh, this yep. one's called He Buries Them Alive. This is actually his second home video mm -hmm. that he had dedicated to him. Uh, earlier one was called His Gravest Matches from, I think, 1993. Uh, but this one came out, uh, as Travis mentioned, in 1995. And it was actually re-released on DVD. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I didn't. Two thousand three. Okay, there you go. Two thousand three. And in fact, yeah, because I watched. Yeah, actually, it's your DVD that you watched a while ago and let me borrow. And um, I watched it the other day, and uh, it has a previews for WrestleMania twenty. On oh, it. okay. So yeah, uh, it came out at the end of um, two thousand and three, yeah. I believe. So, yep. Well, we just thought it'd be cool. Like I said, I picked that one up from a used bookstore, uh, Second and Charles, a couple months ago and thought it'd be fun to review uh, when we wanted to fill in with, with something different, something extra. And yeah, it's going to be a little diversion from the 1997 we've been covering, but uh, I think you guys won't mind. Actually, you guys voted for it. We asked you if we were to do a bonus episode, what you'd like for us to cover. And uh, this one came in on a close vote uh, against the Shotgun Saturday Night episode where Undertaker fought Triple H. Maybe we'll cover that one another day, another time. But for now, we're going to dive into He Buries Them Alive. And uh, before we talk about it, I just thought maybe we could talk a little bit about the video store, as we mentioned, going to the video store to rent wrestling videos. It's an experience that our younger fans will 
uh, not understand, will not have the same fondness for, but I know you and I both share a, a fondness for the video store. You mentioned the local one we grew up with, video to go uh, which had an incredible selection of wrestling videos. Uh, they really did. <laughs> I picked it was up, awesome. I picked up quite a few when they went out of business that I still got uh, in my parents' closet at, uh, in my old bedroom. But uh, I worked at a video store called Movie Gallery for a couple years, another one called Video Warehouse for about a year. Uh, just a lot of great memories, a lot of great times there. And, you know, this was our WWE Network before it existed. You know, if you didn't see... If you didn't get enough wrestling between Monday Night Raw and Nitro and WCW Saturday Night, Thunder, Worldwide, Superstars, Action Zone, all that good stuff, you couldn't just pull up your WWE Network. I mean, that was something we dreamed about, fantasized about. Yeah, oh yeah. Instead, you would either have to go to the video store and, <laughs> and rent an old wrestling video that you probably already watched half a dozen times or if you were really lucky and had saved up a lot of money, maybe, just maybe, you could buy a wrestling video for, you know, $20, $30, $40 back in the day. You know, the VHSs were expensive, man. You couldn't get these bargain so bin things. Uh, so you had to get your wrestling fix that way. And, I mean, we've talked about this before. I don't think either one of us would have probably graduated college if the WWE Network had existed back then. Just oh, to have most that definitely. sort of content at your fingertips for that cheap a oh, price. Yeah. It's just mind-blowing. I wouldn't have studied a lick in college. Uh, we'd have, I'd have, I wouldn't be married by now. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have met my wife or anything. would have had no time for anything. would have no children. So, yeah, it would have been, consumed me, unfortunately. So, yeah, it's a good thing it came along when it did when I was already an adult. Because, yeah, man, renting videos is awesome. I remember... I mean, of course, they came out months later than sure. uh, the show, so you already knew the results if you had the magazines or if you'd watching Raw and stuff. But it was something to be said about going back and watching that pay per view because they would show you little still clips on Monday Night Raw or Nitro, but um, to actually see the whole match, you had to go rent that. And I remember, our, like I said, our local video store had a great selection, and I remember you know coming in kind of as a kind of being reintroduced and becoming a fan again in 1997 and just jumping headfirst. There was so much, because um, last I saw, Sting had blonde hair and electric face paint on his face, and now he was wearing black and white and coming down from the rafters. So I had a bunch of years to fill in, and I would go see that. And I remember Undertaker, and like I always thought of him as a gravedigger type guy, and he was a dead man. And about 97, he was wearing a pirate outfit and actually wrestling and stuff. So I had some years and gaps to fill in there. So... It was really fun for me to go back and kind of binge watch on those things. And I think you could rent like five for five nights for $5 or something, couldn't you? Yeah, that was the video to go special. Five five movies, five nights, five days, or or five bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I took advantage of that many times. And I'm sure you and I probably spent weekends renting those and watching them together and stuff. So it was just, yeah, good times, man. But to bring it back to this episode, I'd never seen this one. Uh, I didn't watch it until you let me borrow it from you. Um, glad you did. It's uh, well, it's something. We'll get into it. Um, it is something. It's not. Yeah. It's not one of the better home videos. It's only an hour, and this was uh, in the time where they were kind of changing up the those video models. It used to be, and it's really cool that they've started adding some of these to the WWE Network now. I've been craving them for for four yeah. years for them to add these old Coliseum videos because I have such a nostalgia point for renting them as a kid growing up because. Not only was it um, additional wrestling, but they were always filled with uh, 
feature matches. You know, there were no yeah. jobber matches, no squash matches on these Coliseum videos. It was right. two hours of usually <clears throat> stuff that had was taped exclusively for those videos, and it was guys wrestling each other that didn't always wrestle each other. You know, on yeah. on, on TV nowadays you always see all the guys wrestle each other and you've seen every combination of yeah. matches a million times. But back then you could see a typhoon versus hacksaw Jim Duggan match. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I've never seen these guys yeah. wrestle before. <laughs> and they're going to have a 12 minute match that ends in a double count out, but I don't care. Cause it's cool. Cause I've never seen these guys fight each other before. Exactly. Something like that. Or, you know, we all think of the first ladder matches, Razor and Sean, but there was a Coliseum exclusive that was, uh, Brett, and Sean, and it was just a house show. It was a, the very first uh, official WWF ladder match, and it goes unrecognized. And Bret Hart still has heat, or still is angry about it because he he started it. He says, but anyway, um, yeah, I remember watching that one on a Coliseum Home Videos. Good stuff. And in fact, on this video, we're going to talk about there's a Coliseum Home Video our exclusive. That's a coffin match, or excuse me, yeah, casket match, yeah, casket match. We'll get into. So yeah. Cool stuff. Very cool stuff. And uh, if you've never seen this one before, uh, we have posted it on our social media. Uh, there is somebody has uploaded it onto Daily Motion, so you can go back and watch it. It's not on the WWE Network, although you can find some of these matches on the WWE Network. I think you can find three of them at least uh, of the five on there. But uh, the other two you can find on YouTube or Daily Motion, or you can watch the whole presentation on there uh in case you haven't done that already if you want to follow along but we're going to jump into it so yeah as you mentioned this came out in 1995 but it's going to cover five feature matches from the undertaker from 1994 and this starts off really <laughs> you can tell that the budget has gone down quite a bit with these opening graphics yeah <laughs> this is the cheapest looking thing i've ever seen on a wwf production i think uh, this yeah. terrible tombstone graphic that comes it up. looks <laughs> it looks like something we made in like remember in like 96 we had to design a website in tech lab <laughs> that's yes. what it looked like that's is what it looks like things. like i made this something as good as this and put it on my website back in middle school so yeah, it just—it's a headstone basically, and it'll say Undertaker versus whomever the opponent is. But uh, yeah, it's—it's it's really cheesy. The production is really low. Our host is the Million Dollar Med Ted, excuse me, Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, who has a connection to the Undertaker because, of course, as we've covered here on Talking Taker, he's the one responsible for bringing in the Undertaker into the World Wrestling Federation. And he brings that up in his intro, but. This is so weird to me, too, because why is Ted DiBiase, the guy who's been feuding with The Undertaker <laughs> yeah. through 94 and 95, why is he hosting this tape video, uh, or this that, video yeah. dedicated to him? And he mentions that, yeah, it's kind of weird that I'm here. You know, I'll give credit where credit is due. The Undertaker is truly one of the greatest superstars ever in the World Wrestling Federation. I mean, I should know. I'm the one who originally brought him in the first place. Well, we put together a collection of some of the Dark One's greatest matches ever, including our first match, The Undertaker taking on my man, The Undertaker. I know it's confusing. I'm still confused. Well, anyway, let's take a look. <laughs> and he looks like he wants to be anywhere else in the world as well. Oh. He, he's yeah. barely on here. He, he must have recorded. He'd spent 10 minutes recording this in one take, I'm sure. And Probably. I just don't know, like, Someone, everybody else had to be in the bathroom or something when they were recording this. <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon, yeah. Todd Pengill, 
Stan Lane, Vince McMahon, Jim Ross. Couldn't get any of these other announcers that would have made so much more sense. I, it's oh, just Vince hosted so it? So odd. Oh, it would have been incredible. Yeah. Vince hosted it. would have been awesome. So. Sean Mooney? Yeah. I know he wasn't there, but yeah. he, what else was Sean Mooney doing? I mean, Right. <laughs> right. Come on. Well, he lives He lives in the vault, apparently, according exactly. to the Raw 25 episode. That's true. Yeah. He, was he just lives there. But um, there's no dates or anything for these matches, which is kind of strange. It doesn't give you a date. It doesn't give yeah. you any context. I mean, you know the context based on it's all taking place around – most of them is taking place around Survivor Series between like September and November of that year. Um, I actually did some research and I have the dates, but there's no dates given for any of it, not even the bottom corner or anything, whereas you know, nowadays you'll see something like that on a video. It'll show you the date at the bottom or on a DVD rather. Um, so yeah, um, First matchup is uh, Undertaker versus The Underfaker at SummerSlam 94, which we've already covered. Um, yeah, yeah, you can jump into our archives about. for the SummerSlam 94 episode to hear our thoughts on that one. Uh, it's not a match I particularly want to watch again ever in my life after oh. covering it for this <laughs> podcast. Uh, and not the barn burner that's going to get really get you excited to watch more Undertaker matches, but, you know, right. uh, as far as importance and, and uh, um, uh, I guess, I want to say memorableness, but that's not really a word. But uh, <laughs> um, what am I looking for here? What am I trying to say? Just yeah, something that sticks out in your mind. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's there on the tape. If you haven't seen it before, you can watch it. Uh, but we're going to skip that one. We've talked plenty about that one before. Yep. Yeah, for those of you who haven't seen it, the Undertaker, the real Undertaker wins. He dumps the afterward. He dumps the Underfaker in the double wide, double deep casket, and they roll him away. So, and then from there, we immediately go to the next headstone that shows us we got Undertaker versus Quang. Again, there's no transition. I thought maybe it would go back to Million Dollar Man or show us like a date or something. Nope, just boom, next match. Here you go. <laughs> and uh, this is from a Raw taping that actually aired on it. This match aired on September 12th, 94. I think the taping was a few weeks before. That's back when they used to tape, you know, three or four weeks in a row. So, but this this match actually aired on, on Monday Night Raw on September 12th, 94. So, yeah, I was very confused watching this before I, I looked it up because it's, um, it is from Monday Night Raw and, uh, we, we didn't really cover it, uh, going through, mm-hmm. uh, that period when we did, but, uh, Vince Man and Macho Man are on commentary and, I was confused because Undertaker's got on his purple gear, purple gloves, mm-hmm. so it's supposed to be post-SummerSlam that we've just seen, right. but Paul Bearer has the tiny urn. He doesn't mm-hmm. have the big mega urn that we saw him debut at SummerSlam, so I couldn't quite figure it out, and uh, like you said, they actually taped it before SummerSlam and aired that makes it sense. after SummerSlam back in, in okay. September of 94. So it's weird that he returned at a Raw taping with the purple get-up that we would see him debut <laughs> at SummerSlam. He actually wore it uh, at this Raw taping, and the fake Undertaker had wrestled earlier in that Raw taping against uh, Lex Luger. So kind of weird oh. that, that those fans got to see both sides of that both undertakers and i don't know how much of that was explained to them or if that even made sense to them at the time yeah <laughs> it's a little odd that they're taping stuff before that big reveal of the undertaker's right. return that's going to air a little bit later and uh obviously they hadn't had the uh, mega urn completed the uh, construction of it <laughs> yet because yeah. paul bearer didn't have it yet but uh, uh yeah, undertaker yeah up i against, noticed that uh, his i'll oh, go ahead 
No, I say I noticed that his gloves are purple, and I was wondering. Yeah, that's when I went back and saw the taping cycle, and I was like, oh, that makes sense now. But yeah, it is strange. But um, Man, what, what are you, you say? Uh, what do you remember about Quang? What was you, when did you, when did you first hear about Quang? I know you weren't watching back then. Uh... <laughs> oh, I just remember. I remember we were talking the other day, uh, and we're talking about Quang. And I think that was, was it's Savio Vega under a mask, basically. Yes. A uh, much heavier Savio Vega. The uh, dude, he is big here. <laughs> Puerto Rican he Savio Vega playing a Japanese ninja, uh, and that grand old tradition of. Hey, he's not white, so we'll just make him whatever (laughs) ethnicity we need to. Uh, Same as Yokozuna, a Samoan playing a Japanese person, or (laughs) Kofi Kingston being from Ghana and playing a Jamaican, you know? Right. That grand old wrestling tradition. Oh, well, yeah, and he's Quang, the martial arts expert, as Vince tells us on commentary. And he, remember, he's got that mysterious green spew. Like, spew? (laughs) You chose the word spew. Green spew, not green mist. I guess that was uh, who's that? Um, Great Muta has yeah. the green mist. So yeah, Vince got the he's got the green spew. It's spew. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's he's gonna spew. <laughs> he's, exactly. He's gonna spew. So uh, it's a much heavier Savio Vega, as I mentioned. And this match does have Vince and Macho Man on commentary. It's back oh, in the good yeah. old days. What a great tandem that is. <laughs> yeah, man, it's so good. And it um, takes place, man. dude. This building. Uh, it's in Lowell, Massachusetts, which I'm not mm-hmm. even sure is a real town. I've never heard of it before. Oh, that's where Samoa Joe. Uh, that's where Samoa Joe and beat Finn Balor for the oh. NXT title. Yeah. It might have been at this building. It looks like a building that was. NXT would run. Uh, it is pitiful for the My WWF, basement. man. Yeah. It looks awful. Yeah. yeah, it's so tiny. It's small. It is, man. It was neat though. It's a neat crowd uh, because it's small. It's kind of intimate. It does feel like an NXT yes. show at this point. So. Um, yeah, I mean, that's Savio Vega. Luckily, he gets a new gimmick and becomes Savio Vega and does some better stuff. I guess. But, I've never been a huge fan of his. I've never really enjoyed watching much of his stuff. But I know a lot of the wrestlers say a lot of good stuff about him. Steve Austin always heaps praise yeah. upon him. But I never got it. I never saw it with yeah. him. Especially well, it's Quang. definitely better than Quang yes. with the green spew. So, um, you know, and he got to be on Undertaker's Survivor Series team in a couple a year, a year from now. So, yeah, because they're boys. So we're not going to really break this match down. There's just – I mean, it's – uh, not much uh, to be said here. Savio Vega gets some gets a little bit of a of a offense here, but you right. got your signature taker spots. You got the body slam, an apron stunner, um, the the old school, the old school, and the perfect yeah. ten clothesline landing on the yeah. outside. And we're, I mean, oh. oh, go ahead. You know who Quang has out there with him? As is, did you notice oh, who his manager was? Good old Harvey Whippleman. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a continuation of this feud that uh, Undertaker had had with Kamala, the Ugandan giant. I guess now um, Harvey's just gone to a different continent. (laughs) Japanese martial arts expert with the green spew. Green spew. And and speaking of the green spew, man, we're here here for the finish. (laughs) Everything's worth it for this finish. Uh, Arguably, (laughs) maybe the greatest finish in the Undertaker's career, man. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's my favorite thing I've ever seen. (laughs) <laughs> it's like it's it's like an alternate finisher from a mortal Kombat game or something go yes. right ahead at least walk the people through this well it's fantastic the spew comes into play as um uh quang unleashes the spew and spits it into the undertaker's face uh to try yeah. to escape from him but uh Whip- whippleman's distracting the referee this time so right. the spew is going to be able to be spewed 
Uh, the Undertaker's hair is all down in his face, and he sells it for a minute, and then whips his hair back from uh, from his face, and allegedly has caught the spew in his mouth, and then spews it back onto Quang's face. The same spew to blind him, hit the tombstone, and get the pin. Uh, oh man! You know this reminded me of Choke Slam, huh? Yeah, what? Do you remember the mask? The Jim Carrey yes. movie where absolutely first DVD point... I ever got came on DVD oh, player. Perfect. <laughs> that uh, and Wedding Singer. It's when the bad guy has the mask on towards the end, yes. and the guy's shooting him up with bullets, and oh, he man. like sucks the bullets in to in, through his lungs into his mouth, and his mouth becomes a rifle, <laughs> and he starts shooting the bullets out of his mouth like that. that is a perfect analogy. It's the same time period, man. It could have been. It is. It could have ripped that off. Could have been what they were thinking for this finish. I wonder which came first, man. Wonder which came first. Yeah, but it really, man, it's like one of those alternate, you know, like Mortal Kombat has like the real fatalities. Mortal Kombat 2, I think they had, they may have just had fatalities, but then Mortal Kombat 3, things got weird. You had babalities and animalities and stuff mm-hmm. like that. This felt like one of those like silly ones, like the little whoop dee oh, guy what? comes out of the corner yeah. of the screen. Yeah, this felt like that. Like Undertaker absorbs the green mist, spew, excuse me, <laughs> and then. I mean, he's got someone else's spit in his mouth, and he's going to spew it back in the guy's face, choke slam him, and get the one, two, three. It was so strange. But, yeah, that's worth the price of admission here yep. to watch this match. It's fantastic. We, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wish that, that match was last. Was last. We could end on a high note. Oh, me too. But, um, anyway, yeah, so then after that, again, we go back to Ted DiBiase. He tells us which match is next. That's all he says. He's like – uh, here's the Undertaker vs. Yokozuna casket match from Survivor Series 1994, and then he goes to the match. <laughs> yes, like all, it actually, all right. It sounds like something I edited out. Like there's like a real a brief pause where nothing is said. Like there's action on the screen and and nothing is yeah. said. I don't know what it was, but uh, I don't have any inside information. But that was kind of weird. So yeah, yeah. Undertaker vs. Yokozuna. We also covered that back in the archives, Survivor Series 94 with. Special troubleshooting referee Chuck Norris uh, had a lot Thank of fun you, Chuck covering yeah. that one as well. You know, man, it's just uh, you know we don't need to cover it again. We covered it a lot, but it's just funny going back into 1997 now, and this is the first time we've kind of gone backwards and looked at some of this other stuff. And the Undertaker has come a long way, man. He yeah. he really has changed as a wrestler. He's uh, had the chains taken off of him, if you will, and is uh, not just doing this zombie monster character and is showing off that he is one of the most skilled performers uh, and mm-hmm. like in ring performers, not just as a character as well. And uh, you didn't see that as much. You know, we saw the performance aspects when he's taken on the Undertaker, fake Undertaker, and he's taken on Yokozuna, and he's doing a great job as a character and, and telling a story, but you're not seeing that in ring skill that we've been able to see. Right these past few episodes that we've done. So kind of cool to look back on that. It is. It's been a nice little pause for us because I think we we can get bogged down and take for granted kind of what the action that we're witnessing now in 97. But again, um, I've recently been listening to some shoot interviews. Um, I listened to some on YouTube. One, it actually was Undertaker. It had to be an interview from like 2002 or something because they were talking about the initial brand split. But um, the guy asked him uh, what when – Something like, what's your favorite opponent? And he said, or my favorite match was Hell in a Cell with Sean. But, again, this was at the time in 2002. But he said, 
one of my favorite matches was 96 um, Royal Rumble with Brett because mm. I actually got to wrestle. I got to sh- I got to move out of the zombie mode and show people I could actually wrestle, which is what I wanted to do. I did that character. I did it well, I think, but I finally was able to wrestle, which, again, we've noted and we've noticed the last 10 episodes of this podcast is that he's actually been able to wrestle now and show that. But, yeah, d- digging in this video, this uh, VHS, DVD, whatever you want to call it, it's been fun to go back and be reminded of the zombie taker that we're, we, we're so used to. Um, really neat stuff. So. Uh, the next match is not so neat, unfortunately. <laughs> it is the, nope. uh, the Undertaker versus Jim the Anvil Neidhart from an uh, episode of WWF Superstars. Uh, not currently available on the WWE Network, but uh, you can find it elsewhere uh, if you want to see it. So it's cool to explore something besides Monday Night Raw and the yeah. pay-per-views here. Uh, getting to see a match from Superstars with Vincent Mann and Jerry Lawler on commentary. Uh, you know... My main takeaway from this is that the Anvil is not good at this point, <laughs> man. Like as a singles wrestler, you know, he, I mean, Heart Foundation, legendary tag team, no doubt about it. He played a great yeah. role in there, but in 1994, as a singles wrestler, it wasn't pretty, man. Seeing uh, seeing the Anvil in the ring. Yeah, it's it's something <laughs> i don't know there's not too much to say I, I honestly i was more entertained by owen on the outside oh he's owen hart he is uh, and this yeah and this match is from uh it, it aired on november 19th i don't remember if you said that or not november 1994 is when it aired i'm not sure when it was filmed probably some time in october but um anyway yeah so yeah Brett, oh, one thing paul bear at this point in his career is still Loving his own reflection in the yes. urn, so I sit there are close ups. Almost all these matches of him, you know, rubbing his nose against the urn, looking at himself, and oh yeah, it's so good. So to be reminded of that, because again, in the current timeline we're in '97, they're not together anymore, so yeah. we don't get to see that. So no, it has been that. fun to revisit that. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, Owen on the outside, he's looking at the camera, and you know, as Nighthawk's getting beat up, and he's going, he's only human! He's only human! And looking right at the camera and telling, you know, Undertaker, please win the stop, because he's only human. So He's having know, a blast. Eight. He is having fun. It's cool to Paul see. Paul Bear leaves ringside, runs runs away, basically, and the commentary's like, where's he going? And he comes back out with um the double-wide, double-deep casket. And uh, opens, I guess this takes place right before Survivor yeah, Series. Yeah, they're building up match. Survivor Series, the casket match with Yokozuna. So. Yeah, which they should have played these in the opposite order exactly. on the tape. Yes. I'm not sure if they did that. So I was very confused. Watch that's why I had to go do my, my due diligence and research it and see what the timeline was. It was backwards. Not um, a lot of time and effort and thought was put into this uh no. <laughs> I would say that. Um so yeah, the finish of this one, yeah, the casket gets brought out and uh it's real real crappy finish, but Anvil rolls ends up being rolled into the casket and takes like 30 seconds to realize he's in a casket and starts yeah. freaking out about it, uh, hops out of the casket and runs away to get counted out. So the yeah. Undertaker can't even get a clean win over Jim <laughs> over... Neidhart here. Come on. And we won't do the J-O-B for Seriously. him, huh? So, yeah, it's about six minutes long, um, about four minutes too long. So th- that's the finish. There's no reason to drag it out. But, yeah, Anvil, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't the greatest match. <laughs> but, again, I guess it's on Superstars, this build in that casket match. It's showing that the guys are scared of it because you know, Yokozuna's terrified of it. So, anyway, I don't know. I'm trying to find something, some silver lining here. You don't so. have to. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. It is well, now, what it is. The next match is – The main is, event. 
aside from the finish to the Quang match, this is my favorite actual match on the, the, the videotape. I do think this is worth seeking out and finding. Uh, this is Undertaker versus um, Jerry Lawler, uh, Jerry the King Lawler. Um, and this is actually a Coliseum video exclusive. It has that <clears throat> has a banner hanging up. I don't know if it's a legit banner or if they, like, superimposed, you know. I don't know. No, but anyway, yeah. it's the – and so it has Coliseum Video Exclusive. This is from Wrestling Challenge taping on uh, September 28, 94. So, again, out of order. They should have put this ma- – but I guess they wanted the, the tape to end on a high note. So oh, it does. This is the best in-ring performance uh, <laughs> here. Uh, go go ahead. T- say something, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll interject here. I so. mean, what a cool anomaly this is, a, a hidden gem, yeah. if you will. Uh, Undertaker versus Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, pretty neat to be able to see that. You know, I know you and I are both huge marks for for the King. Uh, I yeah. love seeing him wrestle. I appreciate him more and more the older I get. And uh, you know, he was incredible Absolutely. on commentary and a, an incredible performer in the ring. Uh, and he pulls out all the Jerry Lawler tricks here. It is your, yeah. this is your classic uh, heel Jerry Lawler match? Uh, but uh, it starts off, <laughs> and, and it is a casket match. Um, Stan Lane and Gorilla Monsoon are on commentary, which is quite the interesting commentary team here. Stan Lane and Gorilla Monsoon. Stan Lane. I haven't Thank talked you. about I was him like, much. I couldn't remember his last name. Yeah, they man. said Stan, and I was like, God, who is that? Stan? Midnight Express. I couldn't remember Stan Lane. Yeah, I'm I'm with you now. Yeah, I I man, I had a brain fart there. I couldn't remember who it was. My yeah. uh, s- second favorite spot from this whole tape is Paul Bearer. He's got the big mega urn here and. Lawler rolls to the outside early in the match, and Paul Bearer pops the lid off the urn and just shines the flashlight in there to blind the uh, uh, to blind the king. Um, yeah, <laughs> he says, uh, "I think Gorilla says that spotlight's like a sun lamp. It's gonna burn his eyes." <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so good, man. That's it was awesome seeing them use that, you know, as a dirty tactic from from Paul Bearer. So <laughs> it was great. fun. That was good. But yeah, this I don't know. If, does Jerry Lawler? He hardly takes any bumps in this, but he works the crowd. You just talked about Jerry Lawler's entire career. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He (laughs) only takes like 14 bumps in his whole like 60-year career. Um, He is just incredible at working the crowd, and it just goes to show um, even as a heel, you don't – if you're over – as a heel, you don't have to bump. And, I mean, you can bump and feed for, like, the comeback at the end of the match or whatever, but he didn't have to do that. He just has all these little nuances down and stuff, and it's it's so awesome. So, uh, yeah, Paul Bear blinds him with the light, and Lawler's crawling across the ring like a puppy dog, you know, on all fours. But he's just so <laughs> animated, and he gets you to hate him, and he pulls something from his pants. And uh, I just wrote, he's working the crowd so, so well. Um and he hits Undertaker with that object, whatever it is. We don't know. Do we ever really find out? It's, it's nothing. It's, he doesn't have anything in his hands. He's just he's pantomiming, yeah. and that's the brilliant part of it. Like ninety percent of the time, when Jerry Lawler does that spot, he's not. He doesn't have anything in his hand. <laughs> yeah. He's just sticking his hand down his pants and acting like he just got something in his fist. Like the announcers think it's a roll of quarters, uh, right? And he's pretending to hit. Uh, the Undertaker with it. It's just the most brilliant stuff that so is completely good. lost to today's uh, day and age of wrestling. And it's per- the crowd just eats it up. Yeah, they do. It's great. And um, Gorilla says that the Undertaker couldn't see the object because the hair is in his face. And I quote this, like one of them Newfoundlanders. Well, not, I understand why the Undertaker didn't see it. Got all that hair hanging down in front of his face. 
like one of those big new farmers. What does that even mean? <laughs> He's like, his hair's in his face like one of them Newfoundland or Newfoundlanders. Yeah, oh, I thought that's what you caught too, man. Uh, I don't even know, were they in Newfoundland when they filmed this? I don't even know what that means. Is he anti, um, like, Newfoundland? Is he anti-Viking? Is he not a Viking apologist? I'm not sure, but at some point, Grill Monsoon has some heat with the Newfoundlanders, so he doesn't like Undertaker's hair. Yeah, he's not a fan of it. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Uh, Lawler actually takes over here and and knocks Undertaker down and gets him in the casket with the lid about two yeah. inches from being shut to win this match. <laughs> before yeah. uh, and he you know he turned his back on the Undertaker, uh, which he probably would have had time to get the lid shut if he hadn't done that. Yep. But yeah. um, but that that scene before the, or that that leading up to that spot is so cool because he's he's trying to to get Taker down and he's hitting him with the quote-unquote object over and over again and coming off the second rope and Undertaker won't go down and then he finally, finally falls over. It's just so, it just goes to show that little nuance. Like, the, both these guys, even though one's a season 40-year vet at this time, um, or whatever, 30-year vet, and Undertaker's, you know, wrestling for six years or whatever, five years, he still knows what's up. He knows how to do this right. spot and you don't, don't fall over immediately get the crowd to you know build it up so that when you finally do fall over it looks i don't know it, it, it means more so yeah it's really cool and then you know, like you said yeah turn your back on undertaker he probably could have won if he closed the lid but he didn't of course no one ever does no nope. if, if people just roll, roll undertaker in and slam the lid they'd win the matches the casket matches but they don't uh and uh undertaker uh i don't know did he hit he hit oh, jay he, lawler <laughs> Right in the tombstones? With the object. Is that what is that what the announcer said? <laughs> he hits him in his, his apple midsection is what they say. Oh, okay. <laughs> they told, yeah, he hits Undertaker with the object, and commentary is ripping on Jerry Lawler's apple midsection. They just keep talking about his, his... Ample? Yeah, his ample midsection. I thought he said apple. No. I thought he said no, apple. No. Talking about how... That's oh, no, man. I, no, they're talking about how out of shape he is. Yeah, ample. That's, like, wide. There's a lot of it there. No, no, no. I think he said apple. I'll stand by it. <laughs> apple. It was like an apple. So, anyway, agree to disagree. <laughs> so, okay. That's a shirt. This point. <laughs> apple, apple midsection. midsection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Undertaker uh, gets in control, and then King hits a low blow, which doesn't matter because it's no DQ. So. Oh, that's where one of them said he hit him right in the tombstones. That's where one of them yeah, that's, said yeah, that. Uh, yeah. But the uh, Gorilla Monsoon had my line of the DVD. Uh, when he said that um, as <laughs> I think as as Lawler's trying to roll uh, Undertaker in the tombstone, he like Paul Bearer's on the outside, like crying, saying no, no, and once again a close up shot of Paul Bearer. Wow, this match can't go too much longer because Paul Bearer can't go very long without some kind of sustenance. A face only a mother can love is another thrust to the throat of Jerry Lawler. <laughs> What did Paul Bearer do to him? Being savage to Paul Bearer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Calling out people's apple midsections and calling <laughs> out they need some sustenance. Gorilla's on fire tonight. He says so. at one point, too, Paul Bearer's looking in the urn, and he says the urn's making him look fatter than he already is. Just like <laughs> no beating around the bush, man. <laughs> Paul Bearer's a face at this point. So, yeah. yeah. Not sure what the heck. But, um, oh, man. So good. It's good stuff, man. Anyway, um, yeah. Yeah, anyway, uh, oh no, I lost my place here. Well, anyway, I think at this point, um, the match is almost over here. We got uh, Tombstone City. Again, we mentioned 
earlier on in the uh, archives of this podcast that uh, Brock Lesnar owes Gorilla Monsoon some some marketing money for uh, or some residuals from Suplex City because he coins Tombstone City and Undertaker that's a shirt too. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is city like a skyline with a bunch of tombstones in it. No, great. just make it just <laughs> like Brock Lesnar's shirt. Except oh, it says yeah, Tombstone City on there. Any you want to uh, make us a T-shirt, we'll happily accept that. Um, and but so yeah, Tombstone City hits Tombstone and then he rolls all around the box and slams the lid. It's about eight minutes long. So and then after this, Gorilla Monsoon says, "They, you know what they should do? They should set the casket on fire." <laughs> like, what? What, what is he even drinking tonight? Oh he yeah. New- he He hates Newfoundlanders. He hates your apple bottoms. He hates uh, whatever else it was. And then he wants you to light the casket on fire. So. Gorilla was three sheets to the wind, and they pulled him in and said, Dude, we got we, we to gotta have somebody record commentary if it's causing video exclusive. So yeah. he, they rolled him in there, man, and he was letting loose. Dude, I, I love that, man. Yeah, that's great. Oh, and I do want to correct something that you and I, um, an episode that we record, I guess it was the uh, – Oh man, was it the um, Royal Rumble or no? Maybe Fatal Four Way, uh, or no Final Four? I can't remember. But we we mentioned how Undertaker di- dimmed the lights by lowering his hands. Uh, we thought for the first time backstage, he actually does it here on this Coliseum exclusive match. He's in the middle of the ring. He th- he lowers his hands and the lights go out. So oh, apparently, okay. we were yeah we were three years we were three years uh, off. We missed it. But again, because it's a Coliseum exclusive, we weren't covering it on our pay per views. So that's right. anyway, and then so. uh, Ted DiBiase wraps things up, and we get a uh, tombstone, a rest in peace, R.I.P. graphic to end up close the video out, which was a cute way to end it, I suppose. Um, again, I, I yeah. missed. I should. I, I looked back at my notes. I forgot to say Ted DiBiase coined a new nickname for the Undertaker here uh, at the beginning of at the beginning of the tape. Oh, uh, he called the Undertaker the Dark One. Which the dark one? The dark one. I haven't heard that one before. Well, the dead man. That's and now we have the dark one. Well, that explains a lot about Once Upon a Time the TV show because I don't know if you've ever seen that, but I used to watch Never the first once. several episodes. That's like the main villain in the whole thing. The whole mythology is okay. the dark one. So apparently, Undertaker will pop up in the finale coming up. I guess we'll man. be on the lookout, ladies and gentlemen. The dark one. Could Are you be sure you want the world to know that you? know that much about once upon a time oh i don't watch it anymore i okay. gave up on it. it's too ridiculous so i did i did watch it uh it was stupid though eventually so <laughs> gave up if i under goes back as a dark one i'll watch it oh I'll uh, yeah sure but this dvd was is under an hour long it's a really fun trip down nostalgia lane uh it's a neat reminder of how far Undertaker's come uh especially in the last three years again as we're up to 97 so yeah fun stuff yeah, stuff. if you've got nothing better to do, and if you're listening to this <laughs> podcast, you probably don't have anything better to do. Uh, go ahead and check it out. We'll, we'll, we've got the links on our uh, all our social media, which is of course at Talking Taker on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We love to connect with you on all of those platforms. So go check us out, and uh, you know you can listen and subscribe on all the different podcast avenues. Uh, we'd love to connect with you there. And let us know what you think. And, of course, come back next week. We are going to be covering WrestleMania the 13th. Uh, Undertaker <laughs> versus Sid. 
for the WWF Championship. The Undertaker was first ever WrestleMania main event. How perfect is that? We're going to be covering yeah, that awesome. the same weekend as WrestleMania 34. We hope you will be here for that. Download that. Watch the match. Watch the buildup. We're going to cover it all. We are excited to talk about it here. Next week's episode of Talking Taker. Absolutely. If you were at any of these matches that were on this DVD, especially the Jerry Lawler match, I would like to know because that match was really, really fun to watch. Um, if you were at any of these, please let us know, ladies and gentlemen. Please, again, tell your friends, download, uh, subscribe to our podcast. We have really had, a, um, uh, I guess, a high, high amount of traffic on our podcast. A lot of downloads coming, so we appreciate you guys spreading the word. Uh, really means a lot to us. Thanks again to our local and international fans. We, we love it all. And uh, with that being said, take her easy. Cutlaw's hit in midair. Drops a big boot to the midsection, the ample midsection of Jerry the King Lawler. Boy, he didn't miss too many minutes. No, he didn't. Burger King uh, on the way for Jerry Lawler.